Hey out there in UC Island, welcome to a very, very special episode. Today we have some guests. Well, it's not just me alone. You'll be thankful to know. We have, of course, the lovely Luke with us. Hi, Luke. How are you? Morning. Which side do I go? It's always back to Sprite. scary. Good morning. Wait, just wave <laughs> there. That's good. <laughs> and I'm so, so happy to be sharing a little bit of time with Miss Katrina A. Johnson from Nickelodeon's All That. Hey, hey, hey. But we shall not bury the lead, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very special guest to share with you today. Um, I have to do it. I'm real. I'm going to apologize for this really hacky intro, intro to start with. Some people stand in the darkness, afraid to look into the light, but some people don't, especially the gentleman that we have with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Uncensored Radio, Mr. Jeremy Jackson. All right. I had to do it, man. I'm sorry. That was a great that was that at all. Yeah. No, oh, really? I never heard it in that way, you know? <laughs> you it was there almost like a poem. Yeah. <laughs> it makes this sound deep and interesting. So, I love it. Jeremy, whereabouts in the world are you? What's going on? We like to always start out with a how are you, where are you? So how oh, are man. you, where are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm great. Thank you for asking. I'm here uh, in Orange County, California. And, uh, man, I never had it so good, and I haven't had my best day yet. You know, what is there to complain about? I'm blessed and highly there favored, man. I'm on the show with you guys. Oh, look, he's stroking egos straight away. You'll be, this you'll is fine. all that. This is all <laughs> that. There you go. I was about to say, do you know who else is in the OC? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miss Katrina OC Johnson. Yes, I actually used to see you at the gym at Motion Fitness. Oh, yeah. We would take classes, and I would yeah. always stare at you, and they would always post you in the story. I was like, oh, there's the hot guy again. And uh, I didn't know it was you until one day I just clicked on it where they tagged you, and I was like, wait a minute, what? Not Hobie. <laughs> Hobie's the hot guy? Are you serious? I was just over there trying to get free group training, you know what I mean? I was posting to get free group training. You uh, were that's just, awesome. You made everything look so good. I was, like, looking for you all the time, drooling. My inner, it was beautiful. My inner bitch just screaming trust me the whole time <laughs> i make it look good on the outside but on the inside i want to give up oh, you made second, it just like so everybody good. else don't, don't worry about that <laughs> mm-hmm. that's hilarious small world we could have done this together yeah well that's true i mean i <laughs> would try to get you into my house for any excuse so yes open invitation <laughs> And so it's a trap. It's a trap, Jeremy. With what was it? Is it Kel? And what is it? Yes, the two guys in the world. And then mm-hmm. Alyssa Reyes, right? Yes. Your old homie. Yeah, totally. <laughs> My mom hated her because she was so sexual. Oh, I'm not. She was like, stay away from that girl. She's so sexual. She's not sweet. It's an asshole. But did your mom know that you've slayed every hoe this west of the Mississippi? (laughs) No. Yeah, she does. If anybody knows, it's her. (laughs) God bless mom. Mama knows. Yeah. Yeah. Katrina's a good girl, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What dad, what dad doesn't know doesn't hurt him, right? My dad's it's a like, pastor, so that should explain enough. Nice. 
That's what I said. No one on this show kisses and tells, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are you guys are where uh, Oz, New Zealand? Where are you at? We are Australia. Yeah, Australia. Australia. I got it right. The first. So I'm Queensland. Um, Steve is New South Wales. You guys flew over here, right, to shoot Baywatch. Um, I think it was Sydney Bondi. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, did that. like one episode. Um, I was not there. However, I came back some time later for a super cheesy uh, campaign with a HMI. Was it? Uh, uh, it was like a men's sex drug. Uh, EMI. Ah, I forget you the name of it. Have our attention. <laughs> well, so Did there was the like drug years work? ago. I, I don't know. I don't know. Years yeah. ago, there was like this this big media slander, all this crazy stuff that I guess the women in Australia are really freaking aggressive and they're like being mean, like, like uh, you know, battering these guys emotionally about not pleasing them. Like it was kind of a big, big to do. So this company, I think it was... I, I, I forget, but anyway, it was a, it was a nasal spray that made you last longer so that these men wouldn't be taking this bashing of being two pump chumps. Yeah, so right. I had a great time out there. I loved it. It was incredible, beautiful country. Wow. I, I dug it. And then my, my buddy go. Mark Holden is out there. He's a good friend of mine. I stay in con contact with him actually. Mark Holden, yeah. okay. That's yeah. a name I haven't heard for a hot minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Did he become, he's like a, one of those barristers or something now. He he got out of the entertainment. Yeah, I believe so. I believe you are correct. That is, yeah, yeah okay. Now, <laughs> Jeremy, we just brought up Baywatch. We can't not talk about Baywatch. Um, and I guess what we want to ask you is, did being on that show at such a young age and then like going through puberty on that show and it was such a body focused show like how was that for you growing up in that whole industry sort of and thrust in like it was the biggest show like not a big show it was the biggest show in history <laughs> in history yeah. all right um you know yeah dude honest to god it, it was a, a perfect storm you know uh Maybe somebody else wouldn't have been as impacted as I was, but you know, I was a fatherless 10 year old kid, uh, super hyperactive looking to take over the world. I mean, I was a chronic malcontent, uh, at an early age trying to figure out how I was going to arrive and, and, and get these, uh, accolades and, and this respect that I thought I required in order to like, belong or to feel a part of life. I was pretty, um, you know, overly self-conscious, uh, perfectionism. So yes, it was a pretty bad combo of my pre-existing stuff mixed with this new stuff, which I attached to automatically was like, this is the answer to all of my problems. Like I don't even have to worry anymore. Now I have this fame. Now I have this power. All I got to do is make sure to get those abs when I grow up and start working out now and always be tan and always have a good haircut. And I was, and then you just burst eventually, you know, but you did it. Look at you now. <laughs> As Luke was saying, you, you, you grew up around these, not only beautiful, beautiful women, but, 
the dudes on there too were jacked, and that's not something that that a teenager with any kind of or any teenager can grow up around feeling super super confident. And you were saying that. It, it gave you the direction pretty much of what you thought you needed to be. And mm. was that fostered on the show or was that just purely in your head? Dude, I mean, honest to God, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty in some respects. But looking back at this situation, I probably would be worse off. I mean, uh, I was, uh, you know... Uh, I was a troublemaker, man. I did not do well in school. I hated authority. I was dyslexic, gifted, learning, disabled. I was advanced, highly advanced in in certain stuff and really held back in other areas. Um, I was so terribly bored in school. Uh, I wanted to like, you know, sell drugs, do drugs, break window. I was like a total... Uh, mischievous kid who wanted to get into all kinds of trouble. So did I not have lawyers, managers, agents, publicists, personal security guards, uh, chaperones, uh, private teachers? Like if I wouldn't have had that stuff, like probably would have just ended up in prison for the rest of my life. Um, most likely because I was destined to get in trouble. That's all I cared about. So it, it may have <laughs> saved me. It may have made it worse. I, I, I don't really know, but you know, here I am today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and yeah you got you kind of got thrust into it you were you were this you were the second homie right people didn't people don't really know that or don't remember yeah that's that's gonna that's gonna feel good you're like i'm the only <laughs> one i'm the one uh, that people yeah, brandon, know brandon call who uh was on a show called step by step after that he was uh on the first episode oh. Uh, or the first season, rather, of Baywatch, which was pre-syndication. I think it was Channel 4. That show got canceled. And oh. by the time they got it picked up, so Baywatch was kind of a flop on network television. And um, there's some controversy of why or what have you, but the producers believed in it. Uh, David believed in it. And by the time they got it picked up into syndic- syndication, kind of like private TV or whatever the frick you call that. Um, <laughs> Brandon Call like went through a growth spurt. He was kind of older, bigger, you know, less endearing, I guess you could say. So they did this big casting call. And uh, I was already, I was from the beach. I lived at the beach. I was tanned and sandy when I came to the, you know, I was kind of just fit the part. I already had a single parent. My character had a single parent. And I wasn't like a Hollywood um, quaffed kind of pale face uh after kid well speaking of a hollywood pale face you beat out leonardo <laughs> dicaprio didn't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet he's really beating himself up today for missing that role you know the whole guy's life could have been different but hey you know you can't win them all leo yeah sorry about all those 19 year olds leo but you know, yeah. sometimes that might not be a bad thing for the 19-year-old girls that I know. It's like, oh, no way. <laughs> Too much. So you and Katrina are both both have the um, the dubious honour of child stardom. And we, we've talked to Kat about um, child stardom and how it affected her. And, you know, you, you've dropped your hints about how, how it affected you. Do you think... There's been, especially lately, there's been a bit of a conversation about should children be allowed to be on television? Should that be an avenue for for, for kids, especially 
those that are at those formative ages of, you know, preteen and they're they're stepping into the real world and they don't know who they are. Do you think that's a that's a valid argument, or should everyone just well, shut? If they're the fuck not up? on TV, then they'll be on TikTok, right? Yeah, should everyone uh, just shut the fuck up? There you go. <laughs> are you asking me or Katrina? You. Both of you. Oh, oh, well, you can go first. Okay. You're the guest. I, I, oh, okay. Oh, you have her on the show all the time. We, we have constant access yeah, to the lovely Katrina show. A. Johnson. Yeah. yeah she's oh, cool. She's the original that. co-host. Yeah. Start tuning in more often. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I, there's I there's hours upon this. hours of Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with a, an interesting concept that some years ago that I never really put into practice. So... For me personally, A-type personality, looking for approval, looking to prove myself, uh, looking to feel accepted, and performance was, you know, my first drug that uh, I knew if I did a good job, um, I would be respected, appreciated, rewarded, congratulated, and that made me feel really good. So at an early age, uh, I really attached to this idea that, um, you know, the, the more mature, the more, um, the more I could look people in the eye at six years old, shake a hand, get, give eye contact, listen carefully to direction, hit my mark and deliver first shot out the gate, the more I would get hired. So this really indoctrinates this mm-hmm. performance based pleasure. The better I do, the more I get. The better I do, the more I get, uh, and that's a self-defeating prophecy. Um, and 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 it it just kind of uh, can create a very victim mentality when things don't go your way. Um, and I would venture to say that many kids who are highly successful in entertainment, like if you do the research, a lot of them are fatherless. Like it just so happens, a lot of them are fatherless, right? So. Um, this idea of becoming an adult in this small person's body and, and winning the accolades that the, the applause, um, be feeling needed, yada, 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 that type of personality, uh, that personality traits and that concept of, of, of what existence looks like or should feel like kind of walks hand in hand with other manias, whether it's overeating, whether it's self-harm, whether it's addiction. And you see it in army veterans. You see it in a lot of successful sports players when no one is cheering for you anymore for throwing the the uh, the, the game winning, you know, uh, whatever pass and it's all gone. Who are you? What is there left? And a lot of people do yeah. go into drugs and alcohol. And, and it's funny, like you liken the fame to um, like a drug and and then when that drug's taken away, it's replaced with others. And I know on your Insta, yeah. like the one of the first things is sober. You've got sober there. And I remember you on Dr. Drew on season five of Dr. Drew. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you were battling addiction, like how was that whole journey for you? I guess leaving Baywatch to and, and going through that. Um, you know. Today, I'm having a completely new experience. Today, everything feels new. Today, nothing feels the same. Today, nothing feels arduous or, um, you know, impossible. And it's because I've done a lot of work with my thought life. I've done a a lot of work on, uh, you know, really the way I think 
and, and the attachments to what I believe. However, most of my life, uh, I was a victim to a lot of uh, lower um, ideas, a lot of uh, different types of delusions. I was, like I said, fear-based, right? Anything we create out of fear, like let's just say I'm wildly rich, I get wildly rich. But if that desire to become wealthy came from a place of fear, no matter how wealthy I am, it's not enough, right? So this desire to become wildly famous and to be fainted over and have girls scream my name and to be, you know, uh, fan mail, you name it, you name it. Because it came from a place of fear or a lack of sense of belonging, it was never enough. It was never fulfilling. It was never, uh, it never really lifted me up to that place that I thought I needed to be. So I realized, you know, unfortunately, much later on in life, but thankfully, more recently, um, that those heights that I'm looking for um, are to be contacted in my own consciousness and my own awareness and my own ideas, and my own thoughts and my own connection to higher self, to God, um, to the inner light that dwells in us all, however you want to put that. So, you know, the moral of the story is um, if these kids are coming from that place, then they're more likely for sure to meet some really ugly dead end roads. So maybe just maybe there does need to be some type of curriculum in place. All these kids are getting schooling on site, right? Private mm -hmm. tutors. There should be some kind of documentary style, maybe comic YouTube channel, some kind of workbook that helps people know that, hey, if it's all taken away from you or when things don't go your way, or if you're looking to achieve this by having that and you're let down, like, let's just let's get them a, a subtle awareness that they're not alone that drugs and alcohol aren't the answer that outside influences are not their source and supply etc cetera, etc cetera. there does need to be some kind of maybe grooming process to set these people up for success if at all if the rug does get pulled out from underneath them and i think it's really easy to implant that in kids even easier probably than it is to implant that in adults absolutely does that make sense that would have been Absolutely. very yeah. helpful for me. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. You don't exactly. know. You don't know. got to figure it out. Yeah. You guys, you guys have lived through it. And to have someone that is the voice of reality and reason in a world where essentially what you do is make believe all day long, like you, yeah. you kind of put that, that grown-up part of you aside, yeah. but yeah. you have to – be expected to work in an adult environment. And as you say, hit your mark, know your lines, look good while you're doing it, and da-da-da-da-da. Then, then you need this other section, and that's hopefully where you have a sensible parent or a sensible agent or someone that is that can equip you with life skills that will serve you outside of the career in case the show goes away or, you know, you age out or something like that, that which, which happens to kids. You, yeah, they exactly. just go... What do I do now? Yeah, I'm not good enough for years. Something I wasn't doing well enough. I did wrong, you know, and then you become a victim to whatever living in the past. Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Um, was I not good enough? Am I not good enough? Am I ugly now? Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's uh, fatal. But you've, you've definitely lived the life too. I mean, let's, you, you did the pop star thing for a while too, right? Yeah, that, you, was, you were... that was amazing. You were the be talk to us about being the beach version of Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I like so that. The, the interesting thing is, I I never, I never wanted to be an actor 
specifically from about one year old, um, you know, I started idolizing Michael Jackson. So I started practicing my Michael Jackson moves when I was one year old. I got 135 stitches in my forehead because I fell and split my head. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I went into boot camp right away. Blood, sweat, tears. I had a karaoke machine. I would record myself. I would do fake radio station shows, commercials. I would interview myself as a different person. I would practice costumes, uh, dance routines, Um I just wanted to have that thing that I saw that Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson had, which in my limited perspective back then was some sense of power or um, that looked like some type of, you know, superiority that would, that would fill my spirit back when I was a kid. So I went full time into working on that, working on my craft, obsessed with it. I didn't know it was like a job that you could get rich from. I just saw that was the reward for me was an attentive audience um, and me having their attention and me pleasing them and me wowing them. Um, You know, it's kind of a very egocentric thing now looking back, but, um, but really singing and dancing were my passion. So yeah, I got a lot of commercials and, you know, uh, did like 60 commercials and a bunch of different TV shows, the wonder years and blah, with some movies with John Travolta as just a kid doing stuff. And, but then Baywatch when I was 10 and Baywatch was fun, but you know, I was a real ham and, and, and people saw that. And when I was 12, David Hasselhoff was making a joke. And cause I always wore Adidas and he made this joke about this song. He's like, you can run, you know, and then uh, like running in my Adidas, we wrote this song when I was 12 we recorded it. I, I, it was, it, it hit top, it hit number three on the billboard charts in Holland. And I was a world music hall of fame inductee because I <laughs> guess my single debuted, I was like the youngest person to debut in the top 10 or something like that. So it was like, boom, overnight, you know, uh, straight on tour and performing in front of 15,000 people and doing shows with the Eurythmics and two unlimited and pet shop boys and right said Fred. And I was doing all this crazy cool stuff with people that I idolized and watched. It was a freaking dream come true, dude. And then I went on a nightclub tour. I'm 12 years old, dude. And I'm on stage and I got these girls lined up waiting for me. And it's like, Oh my gosh, my Michael Jackson, like fantasy, like my fetish, this thing I've been working on since I was one year old is here. Like I did it. I have arrived. It was pretty freaking crazy, actually. Okay. I have to know for all of our people at home, how many fans were lucky enough to hook up with you on the tour? So not when he was 12. (laughs) Yeah, no, I lost my virginity when I was 12. And until I was 16, I I thought, I thought girls bled every time you had sex with them. I didn't understand I was taking virginity. They were all young and new. I, yeah, I had no idea. Um, yeah, I had a private security guard and I, I'd look in the sea of people and I'd see like one that stood out to me and I'd be like, her, her. And then there was girls sleep camping outside of my hotel room and I was like opening the window and my mom would be pounding on the door. It was such a nightmare. My mom was the biggest cock block. Let me tell you, I don't know how many girls I hooked up with. <laughs> But I would have been twice as many if it weren't for my mom, the biggest <laughs> cock block in the world. Uh, well, I mean, she's a good mom. Good on you, Mrs. Jackson, for stopping <laughs> that boy from <laughs> thinking this was normal. <laughs> I know, right? 
Oh my gosh. Talk about a freaking self-will run riot. He was living that Elvis <laughs> Presley life starting at 12. Uh-huh. Rock yep. star in life. It was interesting. So I have a question. And you have like David Hasselhoff was like he he introduced you to like the European music scene, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. He was already yes. wildly successful out there. He was already killing it. And uh, you know, it started with just like a joke. You know, we did this song, but it did really well. And he was like, dude, do you want to come on tour with me and open up for me? So I mean Well the marketing like, did itself. You're already Hobie. So exactly. you know. Like, exactly. Yeah. It was like, really cool. I know my sister loves your song, Looking For My Number One. She still yeah. plays it to this day. Not even kidding you. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. There was actually, yeah. I had some really cool, some really cool engineers on that. I think, like, the guy that did that song was uh, uh, one of uh, Carl Cox's producers. Like, I had some really good guys work on my music it was kind of amazing mona who was like this, the back the backup singer for that like did shit with the doors like she like i had some really cool people that i worked with you know including mark holden mark holden was my producer for both those albums he produced mila jovovich he ah, yes, really good Idol, well he was an australian music producer but a, a lot yeah. of um mainstream knew mark holden because he was a judge on australian idol so he yeah. they knew his face as well as his yeah. work yeah, crazy. Right, Small Katrina, world Katrina has a question. <laughs> Katrina has a question now. Okay, cat. <laughs> so you have had such a high octane life. I'm sure I'm not the first to ask, but um, are you going to write a book? I definitely want to write a book. Um, I had uh, a really good offer and something, and then the the dude like died. The dude had oh. like a heart attack. Um. So, you know, what's meant for be, me will be, and it just wasn't the right time yet. But uh, we're doing a Baywatch documentary right now, which is probably going to get released in the next six months. And I feel like some fires are going to get lit at that point. We talk about some, some gnarly stuff. Um, it's called The American Dream, and it, it's produced by a fan. Um, like a true fan, a, a guy who really grew up with the show, who's wildly successful in the entertainment industry and wanted to like show this new generation, like what they missed and what really inspired him to move to LA and to become this success. Um, so it's a very interesting take and look at the show. It's much more heartfelt. It's much more humanity driven um, rather than the same old stuff we've heard a million times. I definitely want to do a book. Uh, there's so much. I mean, we could talk for hours from, you know, being kidnapped multiple times, robbed at gunpoint, having all my teeth bashed in, living with gang members, by dealing drugs, swinger parties with billionaires. Uh, I mean, you name it, dude. I've just done it, you know. So there's lots to tell. And it could be um, at least a 10 movie series. There's so much good <laughs> stuff in there. Uh, we got to we'll we'll. we'll We'll boil it down, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I have one more question. Okay. Can you tell us your Paris Hilton story? Were you at a party with her or an after party? Oh, my God, such a nightmare. Yeah. It's juicy. Yeah, so, I mean, there's two sides. There's two Jeremy sides. Yeah. You know, Jeremy side back then, I had a, uh, a personal training client, dear friend of mine. Um, 
I had gotten him in really good shape. He was a hedge fund manager. He's a multimillionaire. He owned his house on the beach in Malibu. And he just made some super huge deal. He wanted to take me and my then wife to um, Nobu for dinner. We went to Nobu for dinner. We're sitting right next to Paris Hilton, her little brother, her brother's friend, some other people. Mind you, I've met Paris Hilton on multiple occasions. She tried to hook up with me at the Playboy Mansion and her sister pulled her off of me and wouldn't let her like talk to me. It was a whole shit show. Anyway. But Nikki's a cop block too. <laughs> yeah, Nikki's a cop. So my, my buddy goes to the restroom and he comes back and he says, Hey, Paris is renting a house like two doors over from mine. They invited us over if you want to go. So after he's kind of starstrucky a little bit, you know, he's like from the Midwest and moved here, hedge fund manager guy. And oh, like, yeah, sure. We'll go over there with you. Uh, anyway, we go over there and everyone's in a, just it's just a not cool vibe. Like, it's just like, they're all kind of creepy. Um, energy's off off, right Mm -hmm. mind you i'm a couple drinks in i'm like all super jacked meathead and they're like scrawny greasy hollywooders and um right and uh i see somebody i know right oh cool i know i know one person there and i go to say hi to him it's um he'll uh, 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 uh what's his name there's two brothers in hollywood um I forget, but they're like on, kind of up. famous. They're famous in Hollywood. They were they were on Celebrity Rehab too. The the big fat one, and then he's got a little brother. Um, oh, shit. they're like Hollywood royalty, whatever. Anyway, I see his brother, and I go over <laughs> and I go, "Hey, buddy!" I go, "Hey, I've worked with your brother on Celebrity Rehab. What's up, Jeremy?" Because I've met him in passing, and he looks at me and he goes, "I don't give a fuck." And I looked at him and I was like, I was like, Hey, and he walked away from me. I said, do me a favor and turn around and look me in the eye and tell me you're serious. Cause if you're serious, I'm going to beat your fucking ass. <laughs> but if you were just joking, no harm, no foul, dude, you guys fucking whatever. And he goes, I just playing, bro. It's cool. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Cause I'm not just going to in the middle of a room, be treated like a bitch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nobody liked that. <laughs> Nobody no, liked that. Terrible. Like even someone to act like that is so degrading. Like, yeah, so I mean it's and it's kind of it's kind of overly alpha for me, you know, to say I'm gonna beat your ass if you're treating me like a bitch. Jeremy today wouldn't do that, but Jeremy back then was yeah, he had his defenses up. Anyway, everybody, some girl, fucking you, get out of here, you're gross. And I was like, gladly, <laughs> gladly. Uh, where's my wife? And I'm out, you know, I'm in a living room 10 yards away from a door, you know, a front door gladly. And then like, she starts shoving me and I'm like, yo, back the fuck off. Like, I'm not walking out of here. I walked in here with my buddy and my girlfriend. I don't know if my, my, my wife's in the bathroom. I don't know if she's looking out on the patio. I don't know where she is. I'm not, I'm not leaving this house until she walks out with me. And, uh, <laughs> then the guys get up and they're all like, do, 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 like, like, shook. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, out of the corner of my eye, I see this blur like running at me and I literally turn and sock whoever it is that's running at me in the face. They oh. lay out on the ground. I, I out cold. It's Paris Hilton's little brother, Baron Hilton, I think. And, and Paris yeah. Hilton goes, oh my God. She starts He's screaming. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. What are you doing? You're crazy. Get out of here. Everybody's screaming at me like, you're crazy. Get out of here. And when I'm he like, dude, you. I'm just... 
I was just being attacked like three times. I'm just like trying to get my chick and like leave amicably. Mm-hmm. Like, and then this, this guy who was his buddy, who was the, the guy that invited us over there. Like I saw him real jittery, like looking at me, like he was going to jump on me. And I was like, I'm not going to wait for this guy to swing on me. I grab him and I put him in a chokehold. Like literally he's like, <laughs> and I tell everybody back, back away from me. Everybody's get away from me. Like, I'm not going to have five people touching me, shoving me. You're all going to back up and I'm going to leave when I have my wife. And uh, my own buddy that invited me over there grabs my head from behind. And like, now I can't see. He's pulling my neck and I'm like, dude, let me go. You know, he lets me go. And as soon as he lets me go, this Paris Hilton's girlfriend hits me in the, in the head with a Magnum bottle of champagne splits or a magnum bottle of belvedere splits my eyelid in now everybody's shoving me i've i end up getting kicked out the door like like nine people pushing me out this door or five people whatever the heck it was i get out the door and i look down the street and my my chick left when she saw me be mean to that guy <laughs> she wasn't even in there right she wasn't even All there. For as, soon me, <laughs> as soon as she heard me pick a fight with that guy she just like i'm fucking out of here i'm not waiting for she's this. like i'm bouncing um, <laughs> literally <laughs> lost a fifteen hundred dollar watch oh. um they ripped a watch off my hand i got beat in the face with a vodka bottle it was all over the news. I know, but you're like, like, I can't imagine people doing crazy shit like that. And, like, I know it happens in nightclubs and that, but to know it's, like, happening in Paris Hilton's house as well, like, Wait, holy Brandon, shit. Right. Like, what? Wasn't Brandon Davis there too? Brandon Davis. That's who ah, it was. That's who was a dick to me. That was and the then his brother who started it all. That, that's who started it all, trying to act too cool for school when I was just going mm-hmm. and being nice to him. But so yeah, the old Jeremy, Jeremy is like, how dare this person be be mean to me when I'm just here trying to be nice, right? And uh, now I need to stick up for myself. Problem. But I, I, I think know, it's hard that you just took everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> Take no prisoners. Come at me. Oh, <laughs> you know, it has to be like a scary movie yeah. sketch, right? With like Paris and everyone knocked out in a room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just at the time, buff. And Victoria. Yeah. 200 pounds. I just won like nine Brazilian jiu-jitsu gold medals in tournaments. You know, it's, it's like my, my head was shaved at the time. I'm like, Hot. why are you got like little chihuahuas barking at this this husky? Like, are you stupid? Are what, you dumb? I'm, what do you want? <laughs> you don't want them in heat? They don't want that smoke, homie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they got it, though. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't worth it. It was lame. I'll take my watch back. Story of my life, though, you know, stupid shit like that. So stupid. That's really hot. During all this time, you were doing like shows like The View and everything as well, weren't you? Like you're still popping up on TV everywhere. Yeah, I got sober when I was 20 in 2000. And, um, you know, I was I was clean and sober completely for like 12 years. Um, in that 12 years, I had did, done some amazing things that you know, I ended up touring and producing fashion shows for Ed Hardy. Uh, Christian Odege, Von Dutch, working with Dennis Rodman and all these. I worked with Paris Hilton. I painted before that fight. I painted Paris Hilton's boobs for Mercedes Benz Fashion Week. It's like she knows who I am. I don't know. She went on freaking Mario Lopez show and pretended like she didn't know who I was. It's like, dude, I painted your naked breasts for an hour. Yes, like, but those boobs about? have seen a lot of miles, my dear. Yeah, but regardless, 
I, I, yeah, anyway, um, I did a lot of really cool things, uh, including I was on The View, you know, because I'm 30 and I'm 10 years sober. And, you know, I've come from this TV show to now be this quote unquote mentor and this kind of health guru and all that stuff. But again, I even let that shit go to my head back then. You know, I thought I had it figured out. I thought I had ditched the old and risen to this, this new heights in, you know, uh, graduating the human experience. Um, so, you know, because I, because I, uh, you know, I just, the pride and ego is a, it's, it's a freaking uh, subtle foe. Let's just put it that way. It's a very subtle foe. It finds a way to creep back in. Now I, I know Katrina normally asks this question and this is, this is a big detour. Now look, first I'll, I'll preface it with, um, you did the show DTLA. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the one they snuck the wiener pick in. Yeah. Well, look, we've seen that, but we don't do that because we, we go on Facebook and, and stuff like that. We don't want to be cancelled. We got cancelled for showing Channing Tatum in his underwear, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know, look, Kitty, the honor's all yours. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Jeremy, what everyone wants to know at home, boxers or briefs? Nothing. Wow, even better. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I do, I will, I will do a trunk cut with the pouch. You know, I got a couple pairs. Of, I got this nice pouch. You pull your shit through and it gets to hang on the outside. It's kind of nice. Does it, have you ever oh, worn yeah. an elephant trunk? Uh, uh, no, no. Yes. Yes, once. <laughs> No, no, never. Yes. I do think this is the best interview we've ever had here on a censored review. Now, Jeremy, speaking of elephant trunks, then, how many quarters (laughs) is little Jeremy? Oh, I'm so if you you lined up quarters. (laughs) I just, uh, yeah, swing and rope. That's what my friends, that's what my friends say. Swing and rope. That's a pipe. Say at least two dollars and fifty cents worth. Like if you lay the quarters oh. down on it lengthwise. Oh, ro- roll the quarters. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Ten <laughs> to fifteen dollars, something like fifteen bucks. There you go. Fifteen bucks. Okay. Ro- wow. Roll and a half at least. At least a roll and a half. Make it rain. Oh, we're showing single quarters, not roller quarters. Yeah, we yeah, we were going single quarters. quarters. I'll have to try it out. I'll we'll get I'll get a hot. All right, I'll get a hot. I'll get that will be a post credit. That we'll just show a number post credits when you get back to me. It will be with no context after the credits, just a number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put some quarters in some warm water and and yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, look, no one's even going to explain to the poor man what that question's about. But okay, you go for it. You guys are insane. That's no, right. We are not right in the head. It's at all. You are not right. <laughs> That's okay. Jesus Christ. Now, man. Jeremy, would you, if like you were saying, you're doing the doco on Baywatch? Um, mm-hmm. Has there ever been like I know it's always been rumbled about? Has there ever been like a serious convo about bringing that show back? You know, it's, it's really weird, dude. It's really weird. Like the Baywatch actors are like literally wounded. You know, they're, they're the, 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 
the psychographic, the, 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 the psychology of these people, they'll never get them together. Um, and not only that, but the possessiveness of the original producers who are like older Jewish, but they're stuck in the nineties. They're, they're, they're not ready to be progressive with this thing. They're not ready to look at it from a different angle. They're literally still trying to squeeze the juice out of this old lemon. Like until, until it can become something better, different, um, They've cock blocked a lot of really uh, a lot of cock blocking this episode, huh? Um, they've like put the, <laughs> oh, good. yeah, yeah. They've 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 stalled on a lot of really cool things. Uh, you know, not to mention that like myself and all the cast, we came together for like a year and we were meeting with Universal and we were uh, we had a real script and this script was where. Um, where there was some like huge political shit going on in like, um, in, in like some foreign country, like in the Middle East, and there was this huge conference, and like the CIA found out that like the favorite television show of this world leader was Baywatch, and like the CIA like basically reached out to all of us like and, and we were going to do it really funny like somewhere in, like in a trailer park and like somewhere <laughs> mechanics or like we had just given up on life and they like recommissioned us to like go to this party and gather intel and it was like a really slapstick funny where we actually ended up having to do some of the same crazy shit that we did on the episode like there was just it was really smart script and um like one of the cast members stole the script and like went and copy wrote it on her own, even though it was written by the other people. Like there's so much cattiness and weirdness <laughs> that it's never going to happen. Dude. This documentary barely happened. And it was because this dude, Matt Felker um, came out of his own pocket completely uh, millions of dollars. We got the, the editor from the, the last uh, dance, the bulls documentary, Kelly Slater's in it. We got the editing team from vans, like, like, like now shit you know what i mean they're mm -hmm. redoing the song um we, we got rights to the song we're re-recording the song like it's gonna be really cool just jared is in it we got like big influencers and people talking about how baywatch baywatch was the original live stream of the 90s before instagram before you know what i mean mm -hmm. they're like bringing in it in, into the now in a very fresh way but the old producers they they got it by the balls and they're gonna make anybody who really wants to do something good they're gonna make their lives a nightmare because they're holding on to some stodgy old lame ideas that don't work anymore um so it's really unfortunate really unfortunate that's really unfortunate they wasted a year of your time we're so mad at universal now <laughs> no universal was behind it it was this weirdo who who tried to steal so it from it. that's crazy yeah copyright i have a backs. i have a question speaking of weirdness and baywatch did you ever get to go on baywatch nights Never, no, <laughs> never. Because <laughs> they watch nights. They watch nights was like all about when Hobie was asleep. Yeah, it was what happened after Hobie went to bed? If you think about it, little did they know Hobie was doing all those things. Yeah, <laughs> Hobie was in there. The show should have been about you, Hobie. They should do a Hobie <laughs> night spinoff. Hobie mm. nights. <laughs> little did they know Hobie was in his bed spanking his meat to Pamela Anderson's dirty bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. like, and tonight, uh, all of this panel 
Lionel will be spanking their meat to you. <laughs> oh, God. You can find the DTLA clips. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Larry Kennard, right? Larry Kennard, producer of 50 First Dates. Pretty respected producer. He comes to me. He's like, Jeremy, you're going to be the only straight guy on this show. This is going to revamp your career. It's crazy. You're super masculine. You'll be like the only straight friend of this tight knit gay community. It'll like, it's going to just expand your demographic and you're an awesome person. And we're going to build the character around you. You're like this newly sober guy who's, you know, kind of a bad boy, blah, 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 blah. And you know, it sounded really good. Like, man, this show could go places like it's controversial. It's uh, breaking stigmas, you know, the interracial, it, it, different, you know, preferences sexually. Like, okay, cool. But, but also like, you know, um, also meaty and, 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 and personal and, and kind of heartfelt and really real life struggles that everybody goes through. Um, and then he slipped this tiny little image of like half of my pecker in. Well, you said it. It was a meaty show. And <laughs> like, and then like, I don't know how somebody, it's a, it's a little freeze frame that you cannot see to the naked eye. You cannot see it. You could watch it 10 times and not see it. But if you stop it and go frame by frame by frame, there's like one little flash of literally the base of my dick the base quarter okay and somebody like screenshot no porn i never did a porno it's not out it says and the show yeah. well i remember I I, like if you don't want to talk about it that's cool i remember like tmz had a big story about like you you know they had a tape of you doing a pornography and things like that but yeah like in, even at the time i'm like i don't know is this a publicity thing what was that all about so what that was, was a at-home, personal, private sex tape of me and a former girlfriend. The former girlfriend happened to be a porn star. Uh, my buddy took it while we were in Vegas on spring break weekend, sober, having fun, going to pool parties, in the shower. It was a great video, honestly. It was great. It was, it was amazing. I wish you could all see it. Um, I really do anyway. too. <laughs> it was great. I shaved, I shaved her. I, you know, ATM, the whole rock star. It was gnarly. It was heavy duty. Anyway. Um, Good ATM. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm at a nightclub and these three tattooed faced gnarly, I'm in my mid twenties, right? Mm -hmm. Gnarly dudes are like, they come up to me at the nightclub and they go, Hey bro, check it out homeboy you know what i mean like you strapped right check this out we know about the tape we don't want any problems you don't want any problems we know where your mom lives they give me my mom's address give us the tape and that's the end of it she has hired us to get this tape so that it doesn't go anywhere because she's now a Christian and she's trying to remove any illicit material from the internet and from anyone's possession. That's our job. Let us do our job. You go about your day. No harm, no foul. I'm like, what the, I'm like, I'm calling friends. Like, dude, what should I do? You know what I mean? Like, 
there's no way, right? Like she's a porn star. There's millions of porns of her. Like, why do these guys want this? I was going to say, wasn't this tape hurt you a lot more than her? I I know. That's what. How do you have that conversation with guys with guns? You know what I mean? Like in tattooed faces that know where your mom lives. And I'm like, I really want to just, you know, ignore these guys, but I can't do that to my family and it doesn't make sense, but maybe, maybe, but just, and I had that argument like, dude, I'm, I've had it for a year and no one's seen it. I'm not doing anything with it. I'll destroy it. How about we'll destroy it? No, she has to see it. She wants to see it. Like, oh my God, this is such a setup, dude. Whatever, right? Give them the tape. And uh, then all of a sudden I wake up one morning, like two weeks later, and it's all over TMZ that I have a sex tape. So the guys from TMZ call me because the, the one guy is actually from Orange County. I, I forget his name. I've, I've lost contact with all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he's like, listen, bro, do you want to do an interview about this? I'm like, hell no. He's like, all right, do you want to do you want to release it? I'm like, hell no. And he's like, all right, here's this guy, Kevin Blatt. Now, Kevin Blatt is the guy who sold Pam's sex tape. Uh-huh. Kevin Blatt is the guy who sold Vern's, Vern Troyer's sex tape. Kevin Blatt is the guy who brokered Paris Hilton's sex tape. He uh-huh. is the sex tape guy. Everybody uh-huh. who has a sex tape on the internet. Has made that man rich. Yeah. Um, so in case there's any mystery there paris hilton's sex tape he sold hers they all sold it they all took them they all said okay i'll take that amount and yes you can do whatever you want with it so he told me you have to stop it he's like i've never had anybody want to pay to stop it so i paid to stop it and you have to you have to buy image by image you have to buy it as your own intellectual property and then nobody can share it so it cost me about 10 grand to buy my own intellectual property so this <laughs> tape can never be sold and if it is released for free i can have it taken down immediately but these guys cannot get paid from it because i paid to buy it wow that's what happened there do you see why because like to write a book this is I was like, stuff here. see this that could be its like own movie jeremy I was 25. I was newly sober. I had a girlfriend. I had already put my mom and my grandma through hell. I've already been in and out of jail and a drug addict. I thought I was doing better. And now here's this huge, another catastrophe. Like I was just having fun with a hot chicken Vegas. Like, what is it? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to put a kibosh on all that. I just wanted my life to be not a nightmare, you know, Thank not hurting anybody's feelings. What's that? Thank goodness you had the money to buy it. Yes. Thank goodness I have the money to buy it. And I lied to the guys because I still have a copy. Hey! <laughs> so maybe one day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so what are we up to at the moment, Jerry? What's what's the future looking like? What's what what are we looking out for for you in general? I mean, the Baywatch documentaries is going to be huge. It's going to be really cool. It's going to show a very different side than people have heard about, which is beautiful because the Baywatch story has been told a bajillion times. Um, But this is very different. Um, You know, right now I am basically fully invested in um, building a new company. I service rehabilitation centers, mental health facilities, inpatient uh, drug and alcohol detox and outpatient centers. I'm, I'm doing some retreats. I'm doing some small groups. I'm training people underneath me. And I've put together a, a proprietary kind of curriculum 
with breath work meditations, transformational breathing to induce a spiritual or plant medicine-like experience strictly through the breath, alkalizing the cells, um, resetting the carbohydrate receptors, um, pushing oxygen in, into the cell to kind of prevent disease, virus, bacteria, cancer. It's, it's powerful stuff. We get ego deaths, we get rebirths, we get inner child work, um, PTSD release, um, kundalini awakenings, you name it, I've seen it. Um, I, I teach a lot of this power through constructive thinking, you know, for, uh, I'll give you a good example. Like I do groups and groups on this shit, but how often do you get out of bed or at some point in the day, you feel like you have no energy? Anybody? Yep. Do you ever say to yourself in the day, I just don't have energy. I don't have the energy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is a common belief. This is a, (laughs) this is a common, yes, this is a common statement, right? Now this is a statement of the finite mind. This is a statement of the small mind. This is a statement of an unconscious mind because the fact of the matter is everybody on this call, everybody listening to this call right now has 0.07 volts of electricity in every cell of their body. And they have over 30, they Mm -hmm. have 35 billion cells in your body. 0.07 volts of electricity times 35 billion means that you are an energetic powerhouse. You are literally a nuclear power plant. You have more energy in your body than the sun has. It is impossible for you. You're an energetic powerhouse, right? Yes, yes. You are energy. You are made of energy. You are a pure energy. You are creating energy. You're an energy creator. The simple realization and the constant repetition of this statement will remove that old belief system. You never have to feel tired again. You never have to feel low energy again by the realization of this. And that's just one realization of millions that everybody can make to become uh, the, the, I want to say self, but it's actually the reduction of self that allows you to step into the divine mind, into the, the cosmic law. So we're, it's not your best self. It's, it allows you to become one, one with everything that is always in harmony. We want harmony. We want balance. And that's each and every person's divine birthright to be in harmony and to be in balance, to have everything you need and everything you need to realize you already have. So we'll do some groups on this power through constructive thinking. It's called having new attachments and new realizations above your old attachments. We're doing all kinds of stuff with mudras and chakra balancing and and crystals and um, cranial sacral healing through touch. It's just the most enlightening, humbling, beautiful work I've ever been involved in. I do it all day, every day. And I got about five people underneath me that I'm training right now. So it's really cool. Wow, that's so cool. To me, and it like, sounds like you should be the guy to to um to maybe eventually contemplate educating these uh, these child stars and giving them yeah. outlets that are really outlets that are not yeah that are not you know <laughs> that are not drug based that are not possession based that are not you know instant right. gratification based and yeah, you know from, we'll just give them in star, general child yeah. star to sex symbol to healer. You know why so many kids want to kill themselves and they're obsessed with killing themselves? They're obsessed with suicide? 
Why? Because for millions of years in tribes throughout the world and civilizations, when you became a man, you went through a rite. You went through a trial. You went out into the woods and you came back a man. You had a sense of death and you had a sense of a rebirth. We don't have that anymore. We have adult children who have never died to their former selves. They might be in a suit at a job, but they're still King Baby. Wow, wow, wow. I want to get what I want. I want to do, I want to do it my way. Give me my toys. It's, it's sad. And, it, and people want to kill themselves because they haven't, they haven't realized that there's a, a death that needs to take place. And it's been taking place for millions of years in, in civilizations. And we don't do it here. Um, but each person can do it for themselves right here, right now. You can die to your former self and you can be the phoenix that arises from the ashes, right? That's so like a perfect metaphor for today's right. conversation. Yes. Yeah. So if people hey. want to hear more from you, can they contact you through Jeremy Jackson Fitness? What is the best way yes. for people to reach you, follow along? Thank you. Yeah. At Jeremy Jackson Fitness on Instagram, super active on there, posting every day in the gym and um, just cruising about my daily life, having fun. So give a holler. We definitely will. And thank you so much for it. It's been, it's been a small snippet of your life, but it is super interesting as Katrina. And How many quarters? As, as, as Katrina quarters? and Lucas said, me? Oh, God. <laughs> I, we're from Australia. We don't have quarters. <laughs> we don't have quarters yeah. here. You said it was a small snippet. I was just wondering how many quarters of the snippet. <laughs> <it> was. <laughs> no, I was just saying, of your life, by the sounds of it, you've got you've got um, quarters to spare for all of us. Yeah, so it's that's okay. True. That's that's the way. <laughs> Plenty we to go around, guys. Plenty to go yeah, around. He loves. Again. He cares to share. So it's <laughs> nice to know, ladies and gentlemen. It has been our pleasure to have Jeremy Jackson with us Love today. So. Um, yeah, if you have not already followed Jeremy on socials, make sure you do so. And um, yeah, we hope we really thank you for joining us. This is all that. This is all that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mel. Bry here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy. Hey, Mikey. If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl. But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget just as soon as I... Mikey, popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian.